0: Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. We see kids with nutritionally related problems. Many of them overweight, even though they're undernourished. It affects our ability to learn. She had to make sure she had lunch in the classroom because. At the end of the day, that was going to be that all she got. Food security affects our strength as a nation.
1: Within arm's reach are people who are hungry, and there is a anxiety and a stigma attached to that.
0: Today I want to welcome two of Washington's most admired and widely liked leaders. Uh, one's from politics, one from business, but they're both cutting new paths that are impactful and especially inspiring to young people. Mike McCurry was former press secretary to President Bill Clinton and began his political career on the staff of several United States senators. He now co-chairs the Commission on Presidential Debates, but he's shifted much of his focus to his work as a professor of theology at Wesley Theological Seminary. Great to be here, Billy. And he's here with Seth Goldman, the founder of Honest Tea, which he sold to Coca-Cola in 2011, but remains on board as TEO. Welcome.
1: Hi, Billy. Great to be with you.
0: And it turns out that you two know each other from a <laughs> long time ago. A
2: long time ago. A great story in 1988 when Lloyd Benson ran for vice president. I was asked to come in and work on his campaign as the press secretary uh, during the vice presidential campaign. But he, Benson was, as you could do in Texas, simultaneously running for re-election as a U.S. senator. He had a legendary guy, a guy who I greatly admire named Jack DeVore, who was his press secretary. But Jack had this very bright, very talented young assistant, Seth Goldman, <laughs> who was a real whippersnapper. And he was back and forth between the vice presidential campaign and down in Texas doing a great job. And I said, boy, I really got my eye on this guy. He's he's going, he's going places. And I think not long after the campaign, I can't remember really when this happened, Seth, but one day he said, Mike, you know, I've got this idea for a— Company that would make organic tea, and I remember looking at him and said, "Oh, Seth, you've got such a future ahead of you. You know, let's let's get back to the real plan here." But uh, thankfully, I was very wrong, and you were very right.
1: That was such a fun campaign, though. And, and uh, you know, as much as uh, it didn't work out for well, I guess it was one, I got five hundred because yeah, you, the you, we, he batted 50 fifty-fifty. He won yeah. re-election as yeah.
2: U.S. senator from. Uh, Texas, yeah. but obviously didn't become vice president. You but know, I so.
1: did. But, but well, I won twice, though, because I met my wife on the cam- at a campaign event in Longview, Texas, and uh, obviously we're still married. So that 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 was a win for for me.
0: And how did you end up on the campaign in the first place?
1: <laughs> well, I was uh, initially a Dukakis person. I had you know grown up in Massachusetts. I was uh, head of Dukakis's campaign in, at Harvard when I was an undergrad, and so. I got I came back from traveling and I said I'd love to be part of this campaign and they said you'll be working with the vice president which initially I thought oh I'm being sent to the you know minor leagues but I I thought Benson was great I loved the people on his campaign and and stuck with it, and uh, I was doing advance work, which, by the way, is just a great entrepreneurial uh, breeding ground because you're you're you know go to a city you know where you know nobody and make things happen. And so I got to just do a Just what entrepreneurs bunch of, do, exactly. In,
2: in, in that campaign, it was finding the best
0: barbecue place <laughs> that you could find, whether it was Texas or anywhere <laughs> yep, else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, you stayed in politics. Seth, you did not stay in active politics. Well,
1: right. I worked for Benson for two and a half years after in the Senate. Um, and I, but I felt like I wanted to get closer to the action, to, to, to impact, to the impact actually. And so while I really do and continue to admire Benson as just someone who is, is especially rare these days, um, I felt like there was a chance to, to be connected to the change, um, that I could make more, more directly.
0: Well, you've both had a kind of an interesting trajectory, um, that's. Been really focused on how to change the world and how to make a difference and how to have impact. Uh, you've done it in a variety of different ways, Mike, through politics for a long time, now through a lot of faith-based work that you're uh, involved in as a as a professor of theology. Um, and Seth, you using kind of the markets to make change. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to talk about first uh, how you started to move a little bit beyond politics uh,
2: you know if there could be something like a golden rule in politics mm-hmm. we'd all be a lot better off you treat your political opponent the way that you would expect to be treated we see so little of that in politics you know i'm not i mean i'm wouldn't describe myself as a super zealous religious guy but i did find in my studies um that I undertook at the seminary. I, I, by the way, went from being a student and getting a degree to being a member of the faculty in record time, mostly because one of the guys that I had worked with on the faculty at Wesley Seminary went to work for Senator John Kerry, uh, doing kind of faith outreach in the faith community on behalf of the U.S. State Department. So that created a vacancy, and I was asked to go fill it. But um, it's certainly not about being holier than now. It's just that there are some... Fundamental values about how we treat each other and how we seek moral and social justice that I think arise from faith communities. But very often in our churches, our synagogues, uh, temples, uh, you know, mosques, we don't find the kind of conversation in which we draw on those values mm-hmm. to improve the quality of our discourse. And I think, you know, I think that the three of us talking here, I think we'd probably agree that. The rhetoric in this current political campaign has been pretty ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, Some things that I think are very divisive and contribute to some of the polarization we see. And and doesn't the church, you know, the the church, small C church, have some responsibility to address some of that? And, And people who care about the community and care about human relationships dig in and see if we can't improve that discourse. So that's the kind of work that I'm doing now in my role
0: at the seminary. Well, and Seth, one of the really fascinating things about the way you've gone about your work and you're kind of a, uh, I was going to say a classic entrepreneur, but you're not really a classic entrepreneur. You're almost a -a one-of-a-kind entrepreneur in terms of what you've done, uh, building Honest Tea. But you had a sense that you could really change um, the country, change the world, change people's health, change the environment not through politics, but through the marketplace. Yeah. And when I think about, we were talking a little bit earlier, and you, you should describe it a little bit, when you think about the way not just Honest Tea has made a difference, but some of your competitors have followed. You know, there, there have been efforts in government to change regulations that have been you know, enormous battles over uh, level of sugar, level right. of sodium, different kinds of you know, nutritional guidelines in different products. Yet you've let the market uh, decide that. So just describe how you've done that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I I guess, I think of my role as being an activist. And, you know, an entrepreneur is the way to be that activist. And so if you had told me I'd be running an organization that helps eliminate billions of calories from the American diet or helping to convert acres of land to organic agriculture or raising fair trade labor standards, I'd say, wow, that's a neat NGO or or a government entity. I wouldn't have necessarily expected it to be a a for profit business. But um, that's, that's, you know, what we've been able to do through the marketplace. And it is, it's funny because it, you know, although obviously I'm not campaigning in the same way, I still feel like we're running a campaign. You know, we, every day there's an election on the shelves of, uh, you know, the beverage shelves or or the the store shelves. And and people have, every time they choose a product, they may not knowingly think about voting when when they make a decision, but they absolutely do choose to have an impact uh, one way or the other. So, so tell us
0: well, I was just going to ask Seth to tell us where this started. Yeah. So cuz so yeah. <laughs> everybody understands just kind of the genesis of honesty to begin with. Yeah,
1: well it started with the fact that I was thirsty. I was uh, literally went running in uh, Central Park after our uh, investment presentation I was working for a mutual fund company and and uh, was thirsty and said there's nothing here that's going to quench my thirst. And so I reached out to my business school professor Barry Nailbuff and I cuz when I was his student we had talked about the fact that there are all these sweet drinks and all these sh- watery drinks but nothing in the middle. So um, I reached back out to Barry and said, I think I am ready to do something about this. And he had come up with the name Honest Tea uh, as the place to go. And so we knew a drink that could be less sweet um, and moving toward organic and fair trade was something that could be novel, especially with the name Honest, which is a sort of foundation or, or umbrella platform for it.
0: And this is not just a success story for Honest Tea, though. This is a success story in changing people's uh, choices, changing yeah. competitors' Yeah. decisions as well right yeah
1: yeah that's what's neat when we started the whole landscape was you know basically all the bottled teas were at 100 calories all the kids drinks were 100 calories per pouch which is more calories per ounce than in a can of soda and that's what I was putting in my kids lunch boxes I'm embarrassed to admit now but uh, because we've been able to create these products that have succeeded you know the whole there's a lot we I, I you know one of my favorite phrases is by the CEO of Patagonia and she says we want to create an environment where our competitors feel uncomfortable if they don't follow us. You know, mm. and we've seen the shift toward lower calorie. We've seen the shift toward organic, and and of course, we're not the only ones doing it. It, it. it would be wrong to say we've been driving it, but driving it. But we've helped prove that it's possible, and and uh, it's neat to see others follow.
2: And it, you know, so much has to be focused on young people. Billy and I were talking the other day about a, a an idea a friend of mine has about really concentrating a lot of the national service movement around focusing on how do you lift the health standards of children in kind mm-hmm. of the bottom 10% yeah. of our society, of our economy, Yeah. because if you could bring them up, you know, we we rank miserably, and we're like 48th or something, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. if you could bring this bottom 10% of kids up to like the median, we would be back to being number one, yeah. you know, like most people say, well, we're America, <laughs> we should be number one, but uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm thinking about that because I, I imagine that the, the value of your product, particularly for younger people, uh, and getting them kind of thinking about different yeah. alternatives to you know, sugary drinks and things like that is very, very important for a lot of different measures it, of health and
1: Absolutely, and that's what so one of the lines we have that's most successful is this Honest Kids drawing, is the drink pouches. And what's striking about it is, like I say, every, the, before we got into this, 100 calories per ounces was the standard, if we move it to 40 calories, you change a child's palate, you know, in grade school, then you're going to change the way they think after grade school too. So it really is we, we have the chance, and once again, it's not just about us. But when you can change a child's diet early early on, you're changing their what their lifetime you know calorie trajectory too.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about the next generation in a slightly different way, which is to say that each of you has developed a platform as a result of your success. Uh, Mike, you had a platform that included the podium in the White House Mm -hmm. in the press room. um, And now as a professor, um, working with a lot of young people who are trying to find their way and figure out how to make an impact. Seth, you have a platform as a successful business leader, and you're asked to give talks all over the world. And, you know, there's a lot of young people who similarly, I think, want to find a way to make a difference, love business, love the market, want to find a way to do it there. Uh, What do you see... As the opportunity for young people, what are you telling them? How are you trying to coach them, uh, Mike? I'm, I'm guessing that, it, particularly at the theological seminary, there are young people, a lot of people, kind of on a journey to really uh, almost a quest to find for themselves who they are, where they can make a difference.
2: Yeah, and and Billy, don't leave yourself out of this equation <laughs> That's right. because you've built a very successful uh, nonprofit organization focused on childhood hunger and. Running the No Kid Hungry campaign, which relates a lot to what Seth was just saying because we were successful on that front. And I think, you know, you and I are exactly the same age, I think. And we, you know, enjoy working with these very talented young people that we encounter and see them moving on and see them taking things on. I I guess what I'd say, particularly the young people who are – at a place like a seminary, they are discerning a call that they think is divinely inspired. So there's an element of this that is really deeply spiritual. And it puts them in a different kind of place when they think about how they're interacting in their community and how they're working on other things. And that's that's a very, very sensitive moment because, you know, I'm basically asking them to really let their guard down and go out into communities and run the risk of saying things whether they care about a political issue or an issue of social or economic justice say things that likely will offend some of their audience so part of the training is how do you how do you take young people and get them not to uh, be fearful of calling people into a different way of thinking about some issues that's not an easy thing to do that's that's why i think you know for those that go to church they very rarely hear their pastor their minister their rabbi and their imam, you know, standing up and sort of talking about real political issues because they're, you know, afraid that they're going to divide that congregation. And uh, getting people over that hump, getting people to think about, well, there are ways to have loving conversations, even if we're going to disagree at the end of the day. That's a, I'm finding a very rare skill and one that's not easy to teach. And I'm not sure I've got the right (laughs) formula, in fact. But it's something I think very, very important to pass on to this next generation.
0: Um, You're also both fathers, and I guess that that's probably what you put at the top of your resume, because I know you're both really good fathers and involved with your kids. I'm curious how your kids see your work. We're talking about how a younger generation uh, is inspired by by both of what you do. My, My son recently Um, When I told him that I was uh, been asked by Governor Martin O'Malley to look at one of his speeches and give him some feedback, he said, seriously, dad? He said, seriously, he said, he's a governor and you're a semi successful ish (laughs) nonprofit guy. Uh, So I I clearly haven't impressed him yet. But how do do your kids understand what you're doing?
1: So it's been so fun. So my oldest son just graduated from college this past spring and his. He's always been interested in food. He was a food activist in college. And so his first job is he's uh, he is the employee at an organic startup. It's a ketchup company. So he makes ketchup on Sundays. He delivers it and sells it Monday through Friday. He markets it over the weekends. and It's just been so much fun. And it's
0: organic. You're saying <laughs> yeah, organic
1: yeah. ketchup. And he feels like he's changing the food system. And he is he is just. Alive with it, and I, it's such so a thrill.
0: He's been paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the term "food activist" is kind of uh, oh, a yeah. completely new term. Yeah, you know, you no, said he was so planting gardens in really. college
1: and ag- advocating for more organic foods, and all of this. And he, well, was, he was the one who converted our whole family to vegetarianism, by the way, 10 years ago. So he's living it.
2: Wow. Billy, uh, you know well that, that, full disclosure, my oldest son actually did an internship uh, yes. at Share Our Strength, partly because of the trip that he took with us to uh, New Orleans. And that's really ended up being his career path. I mean, he's mm. interested in nutrition and uh, food policy. Now he works for the governor of Maryland. He, he worked for the previous Democratic governor, now works for the current Republican governor on a lot of these programs that relate to child welfare and nutrition. Um, governor Hogan in Maryland has been particularly concerned about the heroin epidemic among young people, so he's been working a little bit about on that. And my daughter has gone into the media. She's working for NBC now as a, in the entry-level page program that they have in New York but she's the one that kind of puts me in my place because she say oh dad yeah you cuz they were young you know they were young when i worked at the white house and you know thankfully some of the zestier topics that i had to deal with were a little bit beyond them at that point but uh, my daughter you says you know when people kind of say oh your dad is like mike mccurry oh she says yeah yeah he, I mean, he was like famous once, but that was in the last century.
1: The last century.
0: <laughs> um, now, where, where are you two headed next? You're you're actually branching out a little bit beyond honesty. Yeah, Tea.
1: yeah, yeah. I've just taken a role as executive chairman of a company called Beyond Meat. It's a plant-based protein, uh, so animal using uh, plant protein to replicate the texture and sensory experience of, of animal protein. And I'm I'm, I'm still staying with honesty. I'm not leaving honesty I'll all take on this additional role.
0: And, and really, I, I assume, part of a kind of larger ambition to continue to impact oh, yeah. the food system.
1: yeah. it's just getting started. You know, there's a lot to change. The, 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 the case is clear and the opportunity is clear as well. I mean, I, I one of the things I say is, you know, we're buying low in terms of, you know, coming in and trying to change. Our, we have a food system that's pretty much broken, a health of a general population health that's um, very ranked, you know, ranked 40th in terms of life expectancy. So we've got a great mm-hmm. opportunity to change it and, and a need as well.
0: Professor McCurry. How well, I've,
2: you? I've got, uh, courtesy of the Henry Luce Foundation, a great a grant that they have given Wesley Seminary, a good opportunity to build what we're calling a center for public theology at Wesley. Public theology is how do these, how do our various faith and religious traditions impact public policy and governance and politics, and events and issues that arise in the public square. So I'm concentrating a lot of my time and effort on that Mm. you're gonna have
0: your hands full that's well as we wrap up here one of the things that we always like to try to cover is uh, some sense for people who are listening and and are inspired of what they can do to make a difference and it strikes me that you know in terms of what you've both talked about um, some people think well okay I can't be a congressman I can't be a CEO I can't be a business leader I can't be a professor But there are choices that individuals Mm -hmm. can make in their own homes and in their own lives that could actually have pretty profound impact. So if you could each just say a little bit about, you know, what people can do to make a difference.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, everyone's diet is your way of interacting with the planet. You know, there's nothing coming out of a factory that doesn't start somewhere in the planet and that people aren't involved in. So the choices you make affect, you know, the ecosystems that they source from, the people involved in it. And Uh, With that choice, you know, you you have the opportunity to, 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 I'd say, to to make a positive impact, and we certainly – I, I believe that's that's a choice we all have, and, and I just wish everyone paid attention to it every time.
0: And where do people go to learn more about that? If you really, if you really do want to understand yeah, how well, your diet intersects with the planet, well,
1: um, I, I would say a good company would be transparent about it. Um, we actually, you know, you can go to our website, Honest Tea's website, and there's a map that literally shows every ingredient uh, we use and where it comes from, oh. the community it's sourced from, a picture of the ingredient, uh, and a few few weeks there will be a video from those communities. So. Not everyone's going to go there, but um, you certainly have the right to ask. And know, I, the-
0: I've been on that website and I've been on that map, and it looks like you've personally been to a lot of those <laughs> I've been places. To a lot of them, yeah. because
1: these are our partners; these are the communities we want to help support. And and, and uh,
0: you've satisfied your own. Conscience yeah, that absolutely. You know, those products are doing what they should be doing.
1: Absolutely. And then, of course, the other way people can get that information is to look for either the USDA organic Seal, which is a federally enforced standard that, that does stipulate about the environmental conditions, or a fair trade seal, which talks about, you know, means the labor conditions have been inspected and that there are a source of uh, um, income going back to these communities separate from the owners uh, that's going back to the workers as well.
0: Mike, and if you're looking less externally but more internally as a (laughs) theology student, Mike.
2: I I was going to say, of course, there are lots of different ways that any individual can get involved and share their strength and their organizations, there are volunteer opportunities, all kinds of things like that. But I guess my counsel would be as busy as we all get, and everyone, young and old, get incredibly busy. You have to reserve time for your spiritual needs Mm -hmm. and for being in touch with something that's a little bit larger than self. Now, that could be for people prayer. It could be meditation. It could be just taking a long, quiet walk in the woods and enjoying a glorious uh, summer-winter day like we've been having (laughs) in Washington. But but it's really making some time to reflect on the things that mean the most in your life. And I think sometimes we rarely do that even though we we sort of think that we should but the the reality of trying to make the time for that it's hard to do and uh, you know being disciplined having a spiritual discipline is something I think it's really important
0: and you can realize as Seth once said that politics isn't the only way to be a change agent Mm -hmm. right you can change yourself right Right. Um, thank you both I'm here with Mike McCurry who's professor of theology at Wesley Seminary Theological Seminary and co-chair of the Presidential Commission on Debates. And I'm here with Seth Goldman, the CEO, TEO, actually, (laughs) TEO of Honest Tea. So thank you both.
1: Thanks for bringing us together again.
2: Great to have you. Great conversation.
0: Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas, is the podcast from Share Our Strength. The Share Our Strength community believes that everyone can share in the global fight against hunger and poverty, and that in these shared strengths lie sustainable solutions. Today, Share Our Strength focuses these strengths on making no kid hungry a reality in America. Ad Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Carrie Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Ad Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhall. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Ad Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.